episode number 48 of the Raw Food Podcast. I am your host, Laura Jane, the Rotarian, and on today's episode, we have a very special guest on the show. It is Susan Powers of rawamazing.com. Susan is an award-winning food photographer and stylist, and she's a celebrated food blogger known for her whole food plant-based recipes. On this episode, we share tips for getting your family on board with healthier food choices. We talk food photography, and we also get to hear some of the personal side of Raw Amazing, including all about her vegan wedding, and also we get to share in Susan's own food story as well. So stay tuned, and Susan and I will be with you shortly. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Raw Food Podcast. Today, I'm super excited. We have Susan Powers from rawmazing.com. She's a cookbook author, a stunning food photographer, and of course, the founder of the wonderful rawmazing.com. So Susan, thank you so much for being here with me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. As I said, it's fun to finally, um, quote unquote, meet you. This is definitely meeting for sure. Yeah, I know. Of course, I've been familiar with you. You've been around for a long time, sharing amazing whole food, raw vegan recipes. But for maybe some of our listeners who want a refresher on you, you and your story, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about how you got started in raw food and kind of your whole food story. Oh, absolutely. Um, my food story, the raw food part kind of comes in towards the end if you were to look at my whole food story because I've always been extremely interested in cooking and I did a lot of um, very gourmet cooking. Um, I am also a sommelier, so I did a lot with wine and food and wine pairing. And I kind of got to a point where all this wonderful gourmet French especially cooking that I had learned and studied over the years was just kind of starting to take a toll on me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming from a, a father who had been a chiropractor way back in the day, and he was very, very tuned into nutrition. Um, he has, you know, he passed away over 30 years ago. But all of a sudden, I was kind of hearing my dad's voice in my ear about, you know, it's nutrition that's going to get you feeling better again. And I one day I saw... Um, I was watching a TV program on PBS of a woman who does a lot of vegan food and she did a raw dish and I was so intrigued by this raw dish. And so it was basically zucchini and um, like a marinara sauce. So the Mm -hmm. zucchini noodles, you know, that we all do. Mm -hmm. And I made it and I made it for my daughters and it was one of the worst things that we'd ever eaten. (laughs) And, And looking back now, I know why it was because she hadn't balanced out the acidity. And so it was just, you can't just throw tomatoes in a blender and throw some herbs in there and expect them to taste like a good tomato sauce, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and there was no balance, there was no cohesiveness to the dish. And so I, but I still was so intrigued by this raw food, because I was thinking, you know, there are an awful lot of nutrients there. And it was, you know, it's like how we all get so interested in it. And it's so exciting. Um, So then I started researching everything I possibly could. I mean, I bought every book that was available back then, Mm -hmm. you know, on raw food, which Back in that day, that was probably eight or nine years ago, there wasn't a ton. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like Cafe Gratitude, um, you know, a couple others. And I started making recipes. And then, you know, the natural progression is all of a sudden you start thinking, oh, well, I'd like to make this this way. I'm going to change that. And then I found that I was had a knack for making these raw food dishes. Mm -hmm. 
And at the same time, I was kind of looking to transition out of what I was doing and I wanted to do something new and different. And so I started the website and Raw Amazing was launched and that's, you know, that's kind of where it all started. So while you were dabbling in this at the beginning, what did your daughters think of all this? Well, they liked my food. It's <laughs> a terrible thing to say. Isn't it? Um, they loved it. I mean, they, they've always been really supportive of it. And they were, they weren't super young. I think my girls are 26 and 30 at this point. So, you know, they were old enough to, to be young adults. Mm-hmm. So, but they, it was exciting. It was fun. And my youngest daughter was a vegetarian at the time anyway. Um, and I was a vegetarian too, because she was, of course, you mm-hmm. know, you want to cook for your kids, but then that has, you know, that really developed into a whole new thing. So mm-hmm. that went really well. And when you were in your early days too, can you think back of some of your maybe really early successes or maybe like one or two recipes that you thought, oh, wow, like, okay, that zucchini marinara was a flop, but was what was your like first memory of like, okay, this actually is delicious. Oh, when I started working with cashews and started making the cheeses. I, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, of course, you know, a lot of the really fun crackers to go with the cheeses. And I remember also doing, you know, like tortilla shells. And I, I did a raw nachos. And it just, you know, you start playing with it. And it just starts blowing your mind that you can get the kind of flavor that you can get out of these delicious raw foods. Yeah, I think you use the word exciting. And that's kind of how I felt as well. I think that once you really have that moment, it could be with the raw cheesecake or something like that, it does blow your mind. And you think, like, there's really something magical and exciting here. Um, So when you got into it at the beginning, were you kind of like just dabbling in it? Or did you go whole hog, as they say? pardon? Yes, I did. I went a whole watermelon. Yes, much better. (laughs) No, because I think, I think when you start into it, you get so excited by it. And you start feeling so incredible when you're eating the foods that I did, I just went, you know, lock, stock and barrel, I was I was 100% in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of our listeners here on this podcast are kind of a mixture. Some people who have been into it for a long time, but others who are just interested in making a change. So do you think that can we experiment with raw food or do you have to go whole whole watermelon right at the beginning or (laughs) what are your, you know? No, in fact, you know, in in hindsight, I think the whole whole watermelon, (laughs) that probably only lasted about three to six months total. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I was living in Minnesota. It's 20 below out. Uh And I was noticing that I wasn't, even though I was eating 100% raw, I was not eating healthy. Mm -hmm. Because I was eating so many high fat gourmet type raw foods to try to keep my body warm, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas if I had just said, okay, well, I'll eat, you know, some, some cooked carrots with beans or whatever, Mm -hmm. could have made a really big difference. And then I started introducing more cooked food back in, but, you know, always whole food, plant-based, you know, cooked food. Mm -hmm. So if you were, say, trying to talk to a friend or a new person in your life who knows that you are Susan Powers of Raw Amazing, and you would say, (laughs) well, the first recipe you should try that might 
blow your mind and isn't too complicated would be oh gosh you know there's so many delicious salads that you can do I mean when you start experimenting and playing around with the the raw dressings Mm -hmm. and things that you can do with that I think those are wonderful um I'm trying to think of I know I really put you on the spot there (laughs) well no you you warned me (laughs) you did warn me but just I mean everything is just so fun and so approachable I you know I used to think that desserts were a really good segue Mm -hmm. into raw foods because they're just so delicious and a lot of them are not that difficult to do and so but now I've you know as I get older I've backed away from that a little bit you know I, I would love for people to be doing super super healthy dishes and you know I always do a caveat with desserts that they are desserts and people should you know absolutely think of them as desserts Mm -hmm. you know but there's so many lovely things you can do you know with with especially if somebody gets a dehydrator and it's really interesting because I know there are a lot of people that shy away from picking up a dehydrator because it seems like a big expense Mm -hmm. but to me I would highly recommend it because you can just coax so much out of the food. And it's interesting because I've, I've photographed in a lot of, you know, very top level professional kitchens. You'd be amazed at how many of those kitchens actually have dehydrators in them, not because they're raw foodists, but because it's a way to get these insane flavors. I think it's a really, first of all, interesting about you know, a regular restaurant having a dehydrator. That is something I wouldn't have thought. I know, um, isn't it crazy? But At the same time, I kind of like that you're bringing this up because I think a lot of people think about the dehydrator as sort of like the pinnacle piece of raw food equipment that maybe someday you might get. Mm -hmm. What do you think if we we were to say, or I would argue, and maybe you can have a fun um, thought about your, your argument on this, that like the top three pieces of raw food equipment would be like, say, blender food processor, Mm -hmm. dehydrator. I think so too. Obviously our chef's knives. Yes. (laughs) But I would agree with that. And, you know, I was thinking too, one of the, I wanted to add really quick, another one of the things that can be a really fun way to start in are with a lot of the noodles that you can make. Mm -hmm. You know, if you pick up a spiralizer and do some just lovely creamy sauces for them, you know, with your cashew base or maybe a macadamia or pine nut base. So those are fun places to start too, because then you almost feel like you're, you know, you're really experiencing something that seems like something you were eating. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think um, when I am really, really working the raw food recipes, it is the blender and the food processor are huge and absolutely the dehydrator. And, you know, you don't have to spend $500 on a dehydrator. Mm-hmm. You can pick up, you know, a, a I think they're like an American harvest for like $125. Mm-hmm. You just like, you know, you have to make sure that there is a, a temperature gauge on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took me a long time to actually get my first dehydrator. And I before I began eating raw myself, I had never had a food processor. My I basically grew up in a healthy household that my mom, God love her, she was not an amazing cook. She wasn't really into cooking at all. Mm-hmm. So the thing I think for me that I probably use the most in my kitchen these days is probably my food processor. I think I have a, a real affinity for nut pates and kind of mm-hmm. that 
or brownies and that kind of thing. So for me, that really opened up my mind to just getting a food processor that really, I think I asked you about your mind blowing moment at the beginning. And for me, it was kind of getting the food processor and seeing how quickly you could whip, whip things up. So that the food processor is probably what I use the most in my kitchen. What would you say it would be your. Oh, I totally agree. Especially when doing raw food. I mean, Mm -hmm. I do the same thing, you know, there's all kinds of, of nut pâtés. there's, and you can, you can even get, um, certain sauces to get almost as good as a blender, you know, a high speed blender. Yes. Um, you know, if you want to do your, any kind of energy bars or anything with your nuts or your vegetables, it's, they're just amazing. They're absolutely amazing. Yeah. And I think it's nice too, cause you can pick one up as well for not too big of an investment as well. Um, and I, I love my food processor and I I find a lot of people that I know who aren't into raw food don't necessarily have one. And Mm -hmm. I, even if you're not going to go really big into raw food, I just think they're amazing for cooked recipes or whatever. I love, I love them. They are. I mean, you can throw together like an avocado pesto in seconds and do a lot of chopping and they're, they are, they're just amazing. I would a hundred percent agree with that one. So I remember when I first went raw and you were around at that time. Mm-hmm. And your photography, Susan, I couldn't even look at it anymore because I loved it so much. I had to look away. <laughs> but I just just want to say that I think any of you who are familiar with Susan's work is she is the most she's an award winning food photographer. And she is amazing, not only in photography, but also in just basically food styling like the photos are good but also it just looks so beautiful and I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your journey as a photographer and was that something that kind of grew out of rawamazing.com or something that you had always done in the past so I'd love to hear a little bit about that. It yeah, it's um it's interesting because I've always had an affinity with the camera. You know, when I was in high school, I studied photography. I even studied some photography in college, but it was never food. You know, it was mm-hmm. always landscapes or people or just whatever I felt like. I, you know, of course, then came the kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when I started, um, when I started with Raw Amazing, I realized that. I needed good pictures. I mean, you really have to have good pictures if you want people to want to make your food. Mm -hmm. And so I just started experimenting. I started experimenting with light and I had an old Nikon D70, which is, you know, gosh, you could probably pick one up for a hundred bucks nowadays. And I started having success and I wasn't necessarily sure because I'm, you know, lighting food is completely different than any kind of lighting you do with any other photography, maybe somewhat product shooting, but it's, um, you have to scrape the food with the light. And so once in a while I'd really nail it and I'd go, wow, that looks really great. And then other times I'd be so frustrated because I couldn't understand why I couldn't get the lighting right. Oh man, jumping in. That's a stage I'm in right now. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) But then, you know, just through a tremendous amount of experimentation and then, studying everything I could. And I kid you not taking 70 shots of Mm. one dish, just Uh changing, you know, changing a little bit and then working with natural light, 
trying different windows at different times of the day, which was giving me the best light, you know, realizing very quickly that you can't just take it outside and put it in the shade and shoot it because it's going to be so flat. And that's what you're trying to get away from. You don't want your food to be flat. Whereas when you're lighting people, you want more of that. You don't want every single crevice on their face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, thank you. Right. But in food, you really need that because you you just don't want that flat lighting. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was just a tremendous amount. I, and I loved it. You know, I just absolutely immersed myself in it. And so every time I made something, I just would shoot it and shoot it and shoot it until, you know, I was happy with what I got and, you know, just studied and studied and studied everything I could learned more about composition. You know, your biggest things are going to be your lighting and your composition. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's kind of the journey. And then it just, it, took off and I actually started getting hired as a food photographer and you know I've shot for magazines and books and it's it's exciting I love it yeah well I think your love of it and your passion for it has come through for years and years and I think that you're definitely um you know so talented at what you do and it really comes through one you're welcome well one thing I as I'm going through my own journey I have sort of um thought about my own photography dabbling and thinking about the difference between photography and food styling Mm -hmm. and I'm they're sort of they go together especially when you're a a one-woman shop but but I'm kind of just curious do you feel like you like them both equally or you know if you could do this if you were a gajillionaire and you could hire someone would you like hire a stylist and just shoot the photos or the opposite or what do you feel like you're drawn to more? I love both. I absolutely, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hire a stylist and I wouldn't hire a shooter mm-hmm. <laughs> because I really enjoy doing both and learning, you know, learning both. And so for me, it's, it's not that difficult to learn how to actually style, you know, style your food. Oh, says, says Susan Powers. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. But you know, there's some basic things, you know, you want to just make sure when you when you look at the color of your food, you want to make sure that the dish that you put that food on, either complements or is in a really good contrast to that food, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And you can you can figure out a pretty basic setup. Uh, that can take you through many, many dishes, you know, with just a little bit of deviation. Right now, I'm kind of branching off. I'm starting to try to make some of my shots look more almost like a, an art photo, which is kind of fun. <laughs> but, um, but still highlighting the food. You know, the food always has to be the main thing in the picture. There are some food shooters that the styling is the most important thing. And to me, I think the food kind of gets lost in that. Mm-hmm. But when you have a recipe site, the food's got to be front and center. You know, the food really has to be, you have to make these pictures that make people want to tear the food off the page and eat it. Mm-hmm. So, but styling can be as easy as getting some decent backgrounds, getting some nice linens, making sure you have some different dishes to shoot in, and then just really paying attention to what's happening with the colors that are in your dish versus the colors that are in your props that you're using. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things that's really so beautiful about what you do is that you really have a cohesive sort of style about, I think, the way that you shoot, especially, um, I don't know, I feel like sometimes there's a nice, really tasteful kind of vintage feel about some of the pieces that you use. And I really, I really like that a lot. I'm a fan of like vintage stuff. So 
Yeah, that's a wonderful. Well, you know, it's interesting because a couple of years ago, I was working with a consultant, a really wonderful photography consultant, and she kept talking about finding your voice, as they say. And so it really is finding your style. And when you really finally settle into what your style is, somebody should be able to recognize one of your photographs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it I, I honestly can't tell you how to do that. I think you just shoot and you shoot and you shoot until it your I think your voice kind of comes from within and it kind of creates itself and all of a sudden you'll look at your work one day going oh wow this all looks like you know <laughs> looks like it came from the same place and it's probably something similar to almost like you have to master like I I enjoy watching Project Runway on TV which is you know people design clothing I don't Absolutely. I don't sew but I feel like you have to kind of learn how to make pants and skirts and all the things before you really can even have your own style because I found with my own photography I've sort of experimented with this and it's like oh okay I can make a pant and I can make a shirt but it, I think you probably can't have your own real style until you kind of it's kind of like the next level maybe of I don't know I don't know I'm kind of rambling but no I no feel... no I agree with you I mean and it is it's something that took me as far as food was concerned it probably took me five years before I really had a voice and before I because when I when I even when I start cooking a dish even when I start or you know if we're doing raw start preparing a dish um I'm already thinking about that final image mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when I'm starting to work with the ingredients and if I'm making something that I know I'm making for the website like great example last night I threw together at the last minute and this is a cooked one so mm -hmm. <laughs> so bear with me it's okay but you know it was one of those nights where you just you look in the refrigerator and you want something really healthy and so you know diced up a bunch of onion celery um carrots threw in tomatoes and then basically broth quinoa and made this stew and it, it was absolutely delicious I put coconut aminos in it I put you know it ended up the taste was phenomenal but I would never shoot that for the blog because it was so dull <laughs> <laughs> you know the colors were not oh and there's broccoli in there too but the the colors were not you know they weren't vibrant they weren't something that I think that people would look at a picture and say, oh my gosh, I want to eat that. But Susan, you are depriving your fans of these delicious stews just because they're dull. <laughs> well, maybe I'll have to dress it up a little bit too. <laughs> but I mean, but that's a consideration. That's mm -hmm. what I mean. You know, if you really want to, if you really want to have that, if I wanted to put that recipe on the website, I would make it again, but I would do it a little differently. Mm -hmm. so that I had more color contrast, things would pop more, you know, I'd mm -hmm. add the broccoli at the end and, you know, barely cook it um, to keep that really beautiful green in it, you know. Mm -hmm. And as you know, last night, it was just trying to get dinner on the table as we all do. So mm -hmm. but it's it's the consideration. It's a consideration of what is this going to look like when it's over? Well, speaking of getting dinner at the table, how does this work for your family these days? Your husband? Is he pro raw amazing recipes? He must be. He has to be. He's wonderful. I, I think I married the most incredible man on the on the planet. And before I met him, um, he was a big meat eater. I mean, his favorite dish was, you know, heaven forbid, pork. And, <laughs> I mean, he loved ham and, and just steaks and all kinds of wonderful things. And he he when we first started dating, 
he would always love, he just loved my food. And, but you know, if we went out, he still would partake in whatever, you know, he would like to, to eat, but he was also respectful. And then I actually took T. Colin Campbell's plant-based nutrition course. Are you familiar mm-hmm, with that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and as I'm going through this course and he's, you know, because he's obviously reading along with me on certain things, or I'd tell him things. It was so incredibly eye opening to him that I said to him, you know, why don't we just try going vegan for six weeks? Mm -hmm. And we never looked back and he never looked back. And so I mean, it, it has worked out beautifully. And he absolutely loves the food that I make. So that's, that's pretty fun. Well, it kind of helps to have you as the as the that's like true. chef of the house. But I think that that's something probably I know my readers struggle with that a lot, and I'm sure yours do too. Where maybe one person in the family wants to eat this way, especially with young kids in the house, you know, and it's it makes it so much easier when, as you said, your daughter was vegetarian first, and then you know all these. It, it do you have any? I guess where I'm trying to take you with this is, do you feel like that was he was really open-minded at the beginning or do you have any general tips even for people who might be struggling getting the family on board? Yeah, he was open-minded and I was really lucky, but I do have tips. I mean, I think there are ways to make recipes that, you know, like even if you look at some of the, and some of the, I hate to say this, some of the cooked food I've been bringing into the the site. Mm -hmm. There are ways that you could, especially if some, if you had like, let's say one member of the family was really committed to having something be a hundred percent raw, but the rest of the family wanted different things, Mm -hmm. you know, create that raw dish and then embellish for the rest of the family. If you're comfortable with it. Yeah, no, definitely. Cause I think there needs to be some sort of compromise when, people are busy enough with life as it is and making two of everything is a bit too much making one of everything making one is sometimes too much for some so I think that that's that's a really nice thought well and it's amazing how easy it is to do and and we do run into that when you know the kids and their significant others come because the kids are good and you know my kids are pretty good I mean well they're great but some of the significant others want a little bit more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have um, we have a future son-in-law from Australia, and vegan is not even kind of mm. <laughs> on his on his radar. And so, a lot of times, if that's the case, you know, we'll make a big pot of chili, and then my daughter will add, you know, take part of that chili and add in mm-hmm. some, you know, something that's not vegan, and. It's, it's not necessarily easy for me, but then I also don't want to be exclusive and be, have this attitude that, you know, we, I mean, we love everybody and we want to accept everybody no matter where they are. Well, and I think too, that it doesn't have to be such an, a black or white thing in that if we can get people having like, you know, a lot of good fresh fruits and vegetables and whole foods in their diet, let's focus on getting that in and who cares about the other stuff? Like, let's just try to make a large portion of your meal be as healthy as it can be. Right, right. And I do think that I think that over time, you know, I think maybe you you experience this, I don't know, I know I experience this, but your taste buds actually do change. And you stop craving some of the things that you used to crave and you you really want the healthy food. You want to eat this wonderful stuff. It is really true and I think that but the thing that doesn't happen is they don't change on the very first 
day. So no. I, so I think that I know I have found that my taste buds change, and it's weird the things that I thought that I would crave and that I don't. But then there are still there's still cravings. Like one thing that I would love to eat and I haven't would be a scone, like a really buttery like that craving. Mm-hmm. If I see someone <laughs> eating a scone, I'm like. Can I smell your scone? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I've done that before. Can I I just smell that? (laughs) But then there's other things that you've realized like, oh, I really have no desire. Like for me, I used to love potato chips, like, you know, Doritos or whatever. I was sort of a potato chip addict and I truly have no desire to eat them anymore at all. But I think it also comes with when you can find a healthy substitute. So for me... I love kale chips, you know, I can satisfy that chip craving in so many healthy ways. But I guess I have not. Do you have a good scone recipe, Susan? You know, there is one on the site. You should go check it out. <laughs> well, I think it's that the things that we crave are when we can't sort of satisfy that craving with, at least that's what I found for me. Oh, absolutely. And it's amazing nowadays what you can actually make, you know, and even even because we really try to stay whole food plant based, Mm -hmm. um, meaning not eating processed foods. Occasionally that's going to sneak in and occasionally you're going to have something or somebody's going to have a birthday and you'll make a cake. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing what an incredibly beautiful, gorgeous vegan cake you have. I mean, our wedding was 100% vegan. And I can tell you our guests weren't. (laughs) And I don't know that anybody even realized it because the food was so spectacular. I like that you brought that up because I find sometimes if you present something like, hello, 12-year-old child's birthday party, here's the vegan popsicles, everyone. Right. Or like, this is the raw, and people are kind of like, Ooh, but if you just say, here's the chocolate popsicles, they're like, I'll have one, please. So a oh, lot know. of it is about, you know, labeling things. Sometimes exactly. you don't have to say, this is the vegan, raw, whatever. You can just be like, here are the chocolate brownies. And sometimes people, especially if they're a bit freaked out by the concept of raw or healthy eating even at all, um, mm-hmm. sometimes they don't even notice. Oh, I know. I can't tell you how many times that I have brought food to, um, you know, different functions and you just don't say anything. You mm-hmm. don't say it's vegan. You don't say it's raw and people just love it. Mm-hmm. And then usually afterwards, I'll tell them because mm-hmm. it's just fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to see the look on their face and they're like, no. And it, it just makes me laugh because I know we have some friends that, when I would, when we would have them over for dinner, I would do both cooked and raw, but all vegan. And one of the friends wouldn't even touch the raw food. She wouldn't touch it because it was raw. And it used to make me laugh because I used to think it's just food. It's just, it's just vegetables and fruits and things. (laughs) But you're right. People get this crazy notion in their head and, you know, getting back to, helping helping people move into this lifestyle or more and getting their family more interested in it it you know in the beginning it can be finding recipes that mimic things that you're normally used to eating Mm -hmm. and I think that can be very helpful we just have to go back for a second to your concept of the vegan wedding I would love to hear about how you planned this and you being you were you really involved in the making of the food was it hard to let go would love to hear about your vegan wedding. 
Well, it was a really interesting process. Um, we had we had our ceremony was up in Sonoma, and it was a very small ceremony, just family. And then we had a party two days later, a big reception back at our home. Mm-hmm. And I met with the chef up at the... It, actually, we got married at the Kenwood Inn, which is just this amazing place. And it was really cute because he had never done a vegan wedding before. He'd never even done vegan food. But he was game. And that was great. And Mm -hmm. so the two of us sat down and we, you know, we went over menus and we worked together and came up with a, a, actually a really lovely menu. The one thing that cracked me up though, was he really, we really, he didn't use many beans and grains. So we ate a lot of vegetables that night, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but he did a beautiful job. I mean, it was a stunning, stunning meal. And then as far as doing the, the big party at the house, that was a little bit more challenging. And I had contacted about, four or five vegan caterers and I was just running into dead ends because I wasn't happy with the food that I was seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, I, we really wanted a very high level of food to present to our guests for two reasons. One reason was because we wanted to make sure that we had a really high level of food. Mm -hmm. And then the other reason was that because we wanted to introduce vegan food to people in a way that would kind of blow their mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, have people saying, wow, this is, you know, this is incredible. And so I went through quite a few caterers. I finally decided I ended up with a caterer who did both vegan and non-vegan. But when I started looking at the menus and the things that they were saying that they were going to make, I was like, these are the people. I mean, it was just, it was, Mm. and, and they did a spectacular job. I mean, you know, little pulled pork, but it wasn't pork, of course, it was jackfruit, little sliders and the the menu was just exquisite and the cake wasn't that hard there's you know in the san francisco area it's not that hard to find a somebody that can do a vegan wedding cake mm-hmm. and everything was just it was just perfect it was lovely and everybody was blown away which was exactly what i wanted <laughs> so well yes the bar is when it's when you're you you want the food to be good and i'm glad that it was a success yeah, it turned out really great. And I will say there was a point when I was just like, you know, I'm just going to do it. And then I thought, you've lost your mind. <laughs> so <laughs> because, you know, it's your wedding and you want to enjoy it. You don't want yeah. to be dealing with that. So so we we really looked hard, but we really found somebody we liked and they did a spectacular job. That's lovely. Yeah. I do want to ask you more about food photography from the newbie sort of perspective just changing gears here so let's say if you could boil down for someone who's trying to ramp up their food photography Mm -hmm. from any levels particularly like a new person what would be maybe the number one thing or the number one thing they should focus on when trying to improve the biggest thing i see that the biggest mistake that most people make is with their lighting And lighting does not have to be that hard. Um, I think people really should learn how to shoot natural light. Mm -hmm. If you have, if you can do that, you know, sometimes people are cooking at night and they just don't have that option. But natural light, you know, getting your food next to a window, getting that light diffused a little bit, no direct sunlight, Mm -hmm. making sure that the light is coming at an angle from, you know, the backside. You don't want the light coming straight at the dish. And you start looking at that and you can... 
eventually you'll start to see it, but it really, lighting is huge. It's just absolutely huge. It can make, it can take a dish from looking flat and dull and boring to looking, you know, juicy and succulent and wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I think natural light is the easiest thing for people to start with. And it's also about finding the right window in your house. You know, you want to, you want to make sure that you test out a couple of different windows to see where you get the best light. Mm -hmm. Well, I, we are in the middle of looking to buy, a, to move basically. So mm -hmm. we're actually looking at houses. And I know, I feel like somehow maybe on Twitter or something, I saw that you moved within the past year or two. And mm -hmm. did, did you like think about like, ooh, this is, was that a big part of your thinking about your new place that you were going to live in? Or no, did that factor? It didn't because in the Bay Area, it's not easy to Oh, yes. <laughs> And I actually, you know, coming from Minnesota and I've always had land, I just really wanted a piece of land, which is even more tricky. Um, and so I had actually looked for two years before I found the house that we found. And it it's so interesting because I have to tell you, for this first six to maybe first year, I fought the lighting in this house. I fought the light because we have these gorgeous two-story tall windows, you know, that overlook this big, wonderful Mount Diablo, but it was just too much light. Mm. And so I would try this and I would try that and I'd try to block it off. And then it was so funny the other day, this is not even that long ago, I suppose a few months ago, I went and bought these big cardboard pieces and I just blocked off all the upper lights, you know, all the upper windows. And all of a sudden I had my light and I, you know, you kind of smack yourself upside the head <laughs> and you're like, well, why didn't I do that earlier? You know, but, um, there's, you know, you, you really are looking for the sweet spot. And even though I was still shooting, you know, all that time, I finally got that light to the point where I really, really loved it. It's funny in life how when you have those aha moments with anything, like what you're saying with putting cardboard up, it's like, I hate it when you're like, why didn't I think of oh, this I know. so long ago? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've been shooting for years now. And I walk into restaurants and I have to deal with, you know, whatever I can deal with. But this house had so much light and it had so many, you know, the ceilings are all these big white ceilings with, you know, light just would bounce from everywhere. Mm -hmm. It would come in the windows and it would bounce off the walls. And so it was flooded. And so I had to really, really, really work with that and finally the answer just ended up being really simple mm -hmm. which is so silly <laughs> <laughs> well I think that's a really great tip I think that we could all stand to improve our lighting me included yeah um so I feel like we haven't really talked about your cookbooks much um mm -hmm. one thing I'm curious about is just generally did you as a kid were you sort of like a person whose life dream it was to have a book published or was this something you kind of fell into or how did that all come about or what do you how do you feel about being a published author oh it's fun it's wonderful it's it's um it's an exciting thing and I know not from a child you know certainly not from a child but probably from you know a younger adult I always wanted to publish a book I now did I think it was going to be a cookbook not necessarily mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's it's fun you know and it, it's nice I had um, I actually originally self-published two of my books and then a publisher approached me to publish those books so mm -hmm. that's how those two came about but that was also you know it was also quite a few years ago when nowadays I mean if you have a popular blog you can almost 
get a cookbook contract, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. depending on the kind of traffic that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if you're a movie star. Or, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the that's the tricky part about publishing now. If you just have really great food, but you do not have an audience, publishers aren't going to want to have anything to do with you, which mm-hmm. is really sad, you know. Um, but I love it. I, it's It's wonderful having a book. And it's so fun when people send me pictures of the book and bookstores from all over the country. And now um, the main cookbook has been translated into French and a Swiss publisher, a Swiss publishing company just picked up the rights to it. And so they're starting to do it in a bunch of different languages. Yeah, that is kind of surreal. That's very cool. It is. It's wonderful. And then it's so funny because you're looking at it going, I did these recipes years ago. And then you think about, and I did this photography years ago. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, there's that part of you that's like, oh, geez, I really want to do a new book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because you develop, you know, your abilities to create wonderful food develops, your abilities to create wonderful images develops. So. Yeah, I think that's something. um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with this book. This is way off topic, sort of, but I... Elizabeth Gilbert she wrote this book Eat Pray Love which I actually have not read but she has this new book out called Big Magic oh you know I have the book I haven't read it I have the same I'm just on like chapter one but it's really talking so much about creativity and um fear and one of my issues that has I think held me back my oh we're getting into my issues now Susan (laughs) but I I can help you with (laughs) but I think is I have always experienced that in my life which I think everybody does where you look back at something you did three years ago and you thought at the time you're like oh this is the cat's meow and then you look back on it now and you think oh that was horrible so I find that I lately have been thinking like oh, I think this is great now, but I'm sure in three years, I'm going to think this is horrible. But my point kind of is, I think we all, creativity is like a weird um, thing. And one of the things that I think is really important to kind of think about and talk about and something that in food photography, um, it's such a creative thing, and not especially when you're developing the recipe and taking the photographs of the food and kind of doing it all. It's this huge creative thing and for me um I find it really easy to share my story and my words but putting my photos out there for me is like it's this really scary thing I don't even know where I'm going with this but no no I understand because it's so interesting because for me the creating the recipes and photographing the recipes that's the easy part and then I have to sit down and write oh, I'll, I'll <laughs> but I actually I'll I do trade. love writing too but it's that is more of a chore for me mm-hmm. you know that's more I have to really pull that out more but I think you know it's it's a process it's 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 about growth and it's about moving forward you know you have to start somewhere and and you just you just keep moving forward I think that's really all we can do and I think one thing, too, that I really like about that book, I haven't really read it much, Big Magic, yet, but I've watched a couple of interviews with um, the author. And Mm -hmm. I think one thing that uh, even what inspired me to invite you on this podcast, because I think you're amazing, and I was (laughs) feeling the fear, you know, thinking, oh, I can't ask for amazing. She's, you know, she's for amazing. But I think a lot of life and creativity is what they sort of say is you feel the fear and you do it anyway. And I think that that's something I'm trying to do with my all of my Rotarian ink stuff. And I think um, I think that's just like a positive message we can put out there in terms of c- creating f- 
you know, food recipe stuff or also even in in terms of changing your own way you eat. I think a lot of people feel fear about that too. I, you probably get these emails quite a bit like, I want to change my, um, I want to go raw, but I don't know where to start. And a lot of people have a lot of fear about changing the way they eat too. And I'm just acknowledging that we all have that fear um, and you just got to do it anyway. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I like to look at it as an adventure. You know, it's an adventure. It's always it's always fun to learn new things. And it's so interesting because even the food, I think I bet you probably had exactly the same experience. When I started working with raw recipes, it was so new and so different and so exciting because it was like nothing I had ever eaten before, you know? Yeah. And so to me... And I think, too, I hate to say it, I think that some of that comes with age, too, where you just, you just, it's it's about really living and experiencing life and just loving. You know, I started painting with pastels, oh gosh, last year. And it was, one once again, you're faced with a, a blank canvas with something that you <laughs> absolutely have no clue what you're doing. And then you just start and it's amazing what can happen. You just, you just keep going and then you finish one and you go to the next and you just keep growing. Now, unfortunately for us, our beginning things that we did with our raw food are right there online. (laughs) So it's not like we can say, oh, that canvas didn't turn out very well. You know, some of those recipes might not have made it to the sites, but you've been doing wonderful work for a long time. I mean... So thank you. Well, I'm also trying to, to grow, you know, everything is a little bit more progressed than, than it was the year before. So I think that's all we can ask from ourselves is eating better than we did the year before and creating more exciting things than we did the year before, too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I do want to be mindful um, of your time. And I'm thinking we should, I should probably let you get back to um, your raw, amazing life. I just <laughs> kind of want to say, firstly, Thank you so much for um, sharing all of this amazing good stuff with us all. And also maybe just I want to ask you and let you share, you know, where can people find you? You have two books as well as ebooks and lots of stuff at um, your website. So maybe tell us where people can find you and all of that good stuff. Oh, absolutely. So the website um, is www.rawamazing. It's R-A-W-M-A-Z-I-N-G dot com. A lot of people try to make it raw amazing, but it's not. <laughs> it's just raw amazing. And you can buy the books there. There are three ebooks and then the two print books. Uh, you can also get the two print books. There's a dessert book and then the regular raw amazing book there on Amazon. And you can find them in bookstores all over Barnes and Noble. So they're all over the place. You and must. then if, you, if you're interested in the photography, I also have susanpowersphotography.com, mm-hmm. which is one of my sites. And I have a fun site called shootingthekitchen.com where I go in and I profile restaurants. Thank you so much again, Susan. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. The Raw Food Podcast with your host, The Raw Tarian. Be sure to visit me at therawtarian.com where you can browse over 100 of my absolute favorite, simple, satisfying, raw vegan recipes that you'll find pretty quick to make and with just a few ingredients and that taste amazing. While you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter 
And once you've signed up for that, you'll automatically get a PDF copy of 11 of my most favorite, most satisfying, most delicious recipes, including raw vegan Alfredo sauce, raw brownies, and a whole host of other delicious recipes that you can make at home that are raw and taste amazing. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope to hear from you very soon. And until next time, enjoy your raw adventure.